Hey, this morning, you, you may notice or not, there's, there's a few more empty seats available because uh, right now, about 400 of our college ministry kids from Unified who, who gather here on a Sunday, about 400 of them are up at Williams at Lost Canyon at Camp Love, where there is, that's a GCU-focused camp where they get to engage with one another. And so there's hundreds upon hundreds, maybe even nearly a thousand students up there this weekend. And so we're hundreds of college kids not in the house today, which is kind of a, it's kind of sad, but for those who are here, yes. Way to go, like way to go. And I did get told that we've got some guests from uh, Taylor University, is it? Could you guys all stand up um, from Indiana who are visiting from out of town? Whoa! Yeah, you, you need to sit down. Your handsomeness is putting me off. That is a fine group of fine young men right there. We're so glad you were here with us. Uh, we intentionally created space for you by sending most of our guys north today, but so good. Uh, I don't know where we would put them all today, but hey, um, that's really good. Here we go. Consumer or consumed? The psalmist says in Psalm 69, zeal for your house consumes me. Then in Hebrews 12, there's this writing that says, and our God is a consuming fire. The imagery of a fireplace for many people throughout, sadly, mostly in the West in churches is the church is there and it's for me. It's to give to me. What can I consume from it? I'll sit by the fire and get the benefit of the fire. What can the church do for me? I wanna get, 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 get. What am I entitled to? Now, we live in a consumer culture, so it's very difficult not to have that posture. And the church is here for one another and for each other. And yes, we do get to receive incredible things from one another. Don't ever forget that. But this year, Grace Community Church, those who are following Jesus, let's move from being consumers to being consumed. Being consumed by the one in whose house it is. Being consumed by the presence of the one who dwells in the midst of a praising People, not just somebody who sits by the fire and getting the benefits of the fire, but stoking the fire and actually being the warmth itself to other people. It's not just about us. And that links in so well with our word for the year. And so this consumer or consumed is we're going verse by verse, walking through all of Psalm 84. And so we've been doing it a couple of verses at a time and today we get to verse five and six, but let's just go with verse one through four. I'm just gonna read one through four, then we'll go to five and six today to remind you. If you've missed any, you can go back and on YouTube or online through our app and you can watch and you can listen to their messages. Here we go, Psalm 84 verse one. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have a young. A place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you, Selah. And then this is why we've got 
our word for the year is hallelujah. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. So this word hallelujah, our word for the year, I'll say it again. Hallelujah is a word I have to tell myself because it means praise ye the Lord, praise you the Lord. Praise the Lord, y'all, praise the Lord. And so I have to say, Des, praise the Lord. So I literally, like I say, many of you are doing it on my mirror. I see hallelujah first thing in the morning because I need to tell the tired Des in the mirror, Des, today, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, Des, praise the Lord. And then I have to remind those around me, hey, hallelujah. Hallelujah is an encouragement to others to praise the Lord. And then hallelujah is praise the Lord. And hallelujah is a declaration to the enemy. Whatever you may throw at me, praise the Lord. Satan, hallelujah. I'm gonna praise the Lord. It is so 360, hallelujah. And that's our anthem, our filter, our theme, our main word for the year. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. The Lord inhabits, dwells in the praises of his people. We are moving from a church that prays to being a house of prayer. We are moving from being a church that praises to being a house of prayer praise. That's being consumed, not being a consumer. So let's go with verse five and six today. As I say it a lot, slow down reading your Bible. I'd slow down. Many people last week said, I'd never really saw the whole swallows and sparrows thing and even thought about it. And oh yeah, I know. And today we'll look at, especially verse six, people just brush by it without seeing the why behind it and the richness of it. So verse five and six of Psalm 84 says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. At first glance you go, okay, let's take a look. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Don't know about you, but maybe you go through times and you don't feel that strong in the Lord. Maybe some of you have that whole, well, I don't know as much as her and him and I'm not sure about that. Maybe I don't pray as much as them. And, and this whole insecurity thing breeds and, and you're difficult with that. Can I just put something to you? When Josh was saying, the purpose of being connected and in community with other believers adds strength because there is something about with other people that you don't just learn from, but you also encourage. You get a give and receive, which is the way it's meant to be. So when we as men gather in the morning at 6 a.m. every Tuesday, this last Tuesday was a prime example that the posture of the guys praying with and for one another was breathtaking. Because in all honesty, even as men, we lack strength for the day. Things come at us and we, we, we struggle and we need those around us to pray with us and for us. And so let me just lean in as well. Some of you don't even have a sense of a strong foundation of, so really who is Jesus? And what about the Bible? And what about church? And what really is faith? And what happens when I die? And what about this Holy Spirit thing? And does God even heal? And all these questions, and that's the power globally that's been going for 30 plus years with Alpha. 
And we've got Alpha, it's starting soon. I wanna encourage some of you. It is perfect for those who may be young in the faith or still inquiring, but for some of you who maybe have been in and around church for a number of years and don't even have those core questions of how to answer them to other people. At Alpha, you don't just learn it, you have questions in groups. And all too often, what you hear from somebody else in the group is a question that is what is being asked by other people out there So you're in an environment where you're hearing that question, learning how to engage with that question that makes you a benefit to those outside as well. There's something about learning in community that is so powerful because you're hearing it and you're seeing it. So I'm gonna encourage many of you, if you've never done Alpha, to, to dive in. Like dive in, go to the nuclear tent after the service and go, when's Alpha? I need to dive in. It's multiple weeks, but it's in community and you get a free meal every time. Like dinner is provided. Already the college boys are like, get me in there. Free food, why not? So anyway, blessed are those whose strength is in you. Why is the strength? The strength is in God because it then goes on who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. Some translations say, set their hearts on Zion. They've set their hearts on going to the house of the Lord for this celebration. Their strength is in the Lord and they're excited and they're going toward celebrating God, being in His house, being in His his presence. I did a personal deep dive on this whole pilgrimage thing and it's very much gets narrowed down to one statement that I came up with. This text blessed are those who set their hearts on pilgrimage. Pilgrimage in its purest definition I could find was this. It's a journey that leads to an encounter with God. A journey that leads to an encounter with God. They've set their hearts on, we have this faith and expectation that when we get there, we're gonna encounter God. And we know we'll encounter God in his praises, in his presence, cannot wait to be there. Now, it was confined then, now because of Jesus coming, this is open access. There's that sense of expectation, but excitement. Is your life a journey of encountering God? Today, this week, my life is this journey and really my whole life of walking with God is that of a posture of getting closer and stronger and the more I am with him, the more I encounter him. Some of us just need to, again, you're just rushing through life at whatever speed it is without just realizing, but why? Who with What does the Lord have for us today? And to be open to that. And their posture is strength in the Lord. It's beautiful. So I did this at the nine. It's gonna be a little bit more complex at the 11 because there's less seats open. But I'm going to do it anyway because it's important. Last week, I know I asked you to stand in your own different age demographics. And it was quite clear to me that by absolute awesome, awesomeness, we have this unbelievably strong Gen Z demographic here at Grace now. Unbelievably strong. And hundreds of them are not in the room right now. 
So right near to you right now, all of you in close proximity, there's some empty seats. Those empty seats don't symbolize an empty seat. They symbolize those probably for the majority of you younger than you who their life is a journey of encountering the presence of God. Even right now, they're probably making, they're packing up to travel back down from Williams, but it symbolizes that. So I wanna do the rest of my message today with not just you in mind, but for you to hear it for you, but to almost be, but I want to also embody those not here today. Because it's a we. They may be physically absent, but they're not absent in who we are. So I'm gonna count to 10 in a minute, and in doing that 10 second countdown, for some of you, I want you to look for where there's an empty seat near, near you, and go sit in that for the rest of the service. It's not a gimmick. I quite literally want you to go. It's not just about me today. I'm hearing this message on behalf of me and the generation to come. And so it could be a bit of a scramble. You don't all have to move. It's okay. But for some of you, you know, I need to do this. I need to have a posture that is we, not me. I need to do this. So look around. There's quite a lot of seats over here. So if you want to kind of maneuver around, but just the sheer movement is going to, it's actually a brilliant teaching technique. You're going to get a different view. And by a different view, you'll hear things a bit different. Okay? You get 10 seconds to do it. When the 10 seconds is done, you've missed it. Go. 10, 9, 8, 7. The seat's open. 6, 5, 4. Down here. 3, Two, one. All right, if you've not got up, you missed it. It's all good. Do you know what? I absolutely love this. I love that Jerry and Jean Ann are right on the front row right now. Because if there's any couple that are so passionate about seeing this next generation in the house, you're right. it doesn't surprise me that you're down front. So on the last song, I want to see the same level of jumping. Anyway, no, we're moving on, moving on. Okay, get with this. This journey, this movement, we're a family. I want you to have that posture. Now, blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on pilgrimage, on encountering God in this journey. Blessed are those who do that. This is all about encountering God and this is the power of hallelujah and praise. This week's Spurgeon quote to you. That, oh, I read this today. I've read it many, many a time. It fires me up so much. Hear the words of the great Charles Spurgeon said this. Does not all nature around me praise God? If I was silent, I should be an exception to the universe. Does not the thunder praise him as it rolls like drums in the march of the God of armies? Does not the mountains praise him when the woods upon their summits wave in adoration? Does not the lightning write his name in the letters of fire? Has not the whole earth a voice? And shall I, can I silent be? Oh, 
It's like you read that and as soon as I, felt, I was just like, hallelujah. It was like, Wah! like all of earth is doing it. And you look and you see and you go, of course. And we created in the image of God, right in the beginning of Genesis of these people, that we get to declare this hallelujah in all kinds of ways, with all kinds of melodies, in all kinds of tones. Get it out, church. Stop being so prim and proper and polite and civilized. Ah, anyway, moving on. Let's get to verse six. There's a lot here and it's so good. Verse six. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. Two things to note. As they pass through, they make it, the autumn rains also come. You see the partnership with God here? They are passing through a valley, passing through, and they, as God's people, make it a place of springs, and God also sends the rains. Now, the significance in this, without going into it too nerdy, the valley of Baca, this word Baca, it's been said by many scholars, it could be a, the valley of tears. There are balsam trees around there. Often you'll have balsam and eucalyptus as a beautiful balm for your medicinal benefits with the cold. We won't get into any of that today, but there is something about this. It's a hard place. This valley every year would end up waterless and barren and dry. This valley will become a place that could be seen as brown and dusty. Yet after the journey of God's people and the fall of the autumn rains, it becomes lush and green again. This isn't just about the weather and agriculture. This is talking about God and his people and their presence and his blessing. And so the blessed, as they pass through the valley of tears, dryness, brown, dusty, as they pass through it, they make it a place of springs. And the autumn rain comes and fills the pools. Both things take place. Now, are there places in our world that are barren and dry and dusty and dead? Easy answer, yes, Des. But let's go personal. In and around your life, as you are passing through, maybe some of you are passing through a valley right now and around you or even in you is dryness, barrenness, a bit of desolation. It's difficult. Maybe it does feel like a valley of tears right now. But the Lord doesn't leave them there. As they pass through, because their strength is in the Lord, because Blessed are those who dwell in his house ever praising you because they're excited for where they are going. It says the autumn rains, which reveals what time of year it is, which therefore reveals what festival they are arriving in Jerusalem for, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. I'll talk about it in a minute. This changes the whole posture of their 
attitude to going towards Jerusalem as they are passing through because they are fixing their eyes on the king, because they are longing for his presence, because they are filled with praise in that as they pass through what they leave behind is hope and joy and refreshment. And this is the beauty that when we, I remind you, it's never just about you. It's the beauty that we get to, to honor Martha today, like, and even the Jubilee of celebration for Grace Liang Liang in Calcutta. It's never just about you. What do you want to see 50 years from now? What do you want to see? As they go through this, and often it's in the times of difficulty and the times of struggle, there needs to be a people who will say, but this is how I am strong in the Lord in the midst of that. And as a result, you, it becomes a place of springs, a place for hope for other people. I had people literally today after the nine o'clock, somebody came up to me to share about grief share this week. And our couple of first time guests came in and could not believe the, the, the grief that was being poured out to one another in that room. And they felt that they could grieve amongst a room of strangers. And they didn't even profess to follow Jesus. They even asked that question, can we come here without believing in Jesus? And they encountered a people whose hope is in him in their grief. Grief share became a place of springs in the midst of acute pain. This is our role, people. This is who we are, but there is something about the posture. If it's not about me consuming, but because I'm consumed by him and I live this way with a hallelujah in my life and I'm on a journey of encountering God all the time, then what is behind me is we make that place a place of springs and the Lord pours out his spirit and fills the pools. He does both. He partners with us. I don't, if I was God, I wouldn't. But aren't we great, grateful that he does? It's stunning. Now, as I said before, because it revealed the when they were on this journey, it reveals why they were going to Jerusalem, which was for the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles, I won't get into it deep, deep dive, but it was first revealed in Leviticus and written in Deuteronomy what God's people were to do for this festival. Let me read the version from Deuteronomy, the description, and I want you to, to feel the posture of it. Move on, Deuteronomy 16. Celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days. Who wants a party for seven days of feasting? This is what I call crash weight gain in a good way. Celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days after you have gathered the produce and of your threshing floor and your wine press. So this was the original harvest festival. All the produce that, that you have gathered together from your wine press and from your threshing floor, bring it. You've had this season of reaping what has been sown. You've been, now gather it. And for seven days, let's celebrate the Lord's provision of that. For seven days. 
be joyful at your feast. Then it says who? It says you, your sons and daughters, your men servants and maidservants, and the Levites, the aliens, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns. It identifies everybody. And just in case you wanted to know where everybody was, he lists them. Everybody. Gather them all for a whole week. No work for a week, all play. No work for a week, all feasting. No work for a week, all joy. All joy. And the celebration of the Lord's abundance, it was established. And as God's people did that, and it ended up, and I'll carry on. I could get so lost in this. Verse 15, for seven days, it says it again, for seven days, celebrate the feast of the Lord your God at the place the Lord will choose. And we know that's where they went to Jerusalem, to the temple, that's where they did it. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all your work of your hands and your joy will be complete. These people are on the way, Psalm 84, to Jerusalem for this feast, this celebration of the God's goodness and His provision. And it is loaded with celebration and praise and hallelujahs all along. And then we need to hear this. It is a feast, it's known as Sukkot. It's a feast of joy, a feast of thanksgiving. It lasts for seven days and on the eighth day there is a rest. It relates to why seven days? Well, all of creation, remember the creation story. And at the pinnacle of it all, as mankind created in its image, male and female, he created them. Yes, that was an intentional statement I just made. He created them. And then God rested. It's reflection of God and his character and even his, and it was good. And we get to relive that story of God's goodness. And we should celebrate this, he says. This is what I want you to do. Now, the Feast of Sukkot starts five days after the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Now, the Day of Atonement was the opposite to big celebration. It was a day where you had to go, but I am sinful. I am sinful before the Lord. And Lord, would you forgive me? And before Jesus, there was then this whole thing of a day of atonement where the God would pay for the penalty of our sin and there'll be a scapegoat who would symbolically symbolize the sin of the people and a scarlet cord put on its neck and sent out. All of that was there. And so you've had this reflection time and the Lord forgives you. And off the back of that forgiveness, what you immediately do is start getting ready for the Feast of Tabernacles by constructing a temporary booth out of palm branches that would remind you that God's people were in temporary dwellings for 40 years in the wilderness. You get to remember that God's provision was good even then. And so they go from this atonement, I am forgiven, straight into thanksgiving. Some of you need to remember that you have been forgiven. The Lord Jesus Christ died for your sin. He that had no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that he is, was raised from the dead, we will be saved. Saved means forgiven, redeemed, restored, justified. That all takes place. So they've come from the Day of Atonement, they then start to get ready for the Feast of Tabernacles. We need to remember that He, 
He died for us. His blood is an atoning sacrifice for our sin. And we don't have to wait for a one day a year reminder. It is new, every day available for us. His forgiveness is available every day for us. I am no longer by definition a sinner. I am a saint that battles with sin. But my identity has shifted. I'm a child of God, adopted by the King through the blood of His Son, Jesus. So this is what they've been doing. They had these seven days of celebration. They build these booths. It's all good. It's a celebration of provision, the whole thing. But there's more. What the psalmist in Psalm 84 hadn't experienced that we get to experience is Jesus came and Jesus was in Jerusalem one day. This is in John 7, celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. He's there celebrating it in Jerusalem. All the people are all around. And what they've done with this celebration at this time is they're gathering in the temple and the priests would come and the priests would have these golden pitchers and they would get the water from the pool of Siloam and they would come and they would pour it near the altar and they would do that every single day. And that outpouring of that water was combined with golden trumpets blasting and singing and jubilation and dancing, yes, and praise. There is so much joy of the outpouring. And that outpouring was a double hit. It was giving thanks to the Lord for the rains, but also the faith for the coming rains. But it was also more prophetic because in the last days, I will pour out my spirit, says the Lord. Your sons and your daughters on all will prophesy. There was an outpouring to come. So in the midst of this incredible environment in Jerusalem that day, over these days, we read this in John 7. On the last and the greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. There's a new thing coming. No longer is God confined just to an annual celebration. But a day is coming where he would pour out his spirit. That day has happened. And it is happening daily for us all. He pouring out his spirit. This last and greatest day poured out the symbolism of the priests all over the altar. Jesus is like, is anyone thirsty? And he wasn't talking about dehydration. Is anyone thirsty? In the midst of that environment, in the Mishnah, one of the Jewish writings have said this, the jubilation is so high, they said, the one who has never experienced the Feast of Tabernacles has never experienced true joy. There must have been some hallelujahs taking place. And in the midst of that, Jesus said, so is anyone thirsty? So let me ask you that question. Is anyone thirsty here today? Maybe there is some dryness going on. Maybe not everywhere in your life, but it's just, mm. 
Maybe it's that sense of, of insecurity, of, of a lack of strength. I don't have to elaborate. You know exactly what is, I say, is anyone thirsty? Anyone need refreshing? In the physical body, when you dehydrate, you slow down. Things get confusing. Who needs refreshing this morning? Who needs to come to the Lord and say, fill me again, Lord? In the book of Ephesians where it says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, the real text is an ongoing verb of be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a daily request because we leak. It's a daily request and you'll go through seasons and you'll just go, is anyone thirsty? And Jesus doesn't say, fix it. You thirsty? Try harder. You're thirsty? Read your Bible more. You're thirsty? Pray more. You're thirsty? But fill in the blank. All those things will help you with your thirst, but they'll never quench your thirst. Come to him. Let him come to me and drink. Come follow me, Jesus is saying afresh. Follow me, come to me and drink. And then he adds this beautiful phrase, and streams of living water will flow from within him. Ha, 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 let's go back. They're in the valley of Baca. We're going back there. And they make it a place of springs. The purpose of the Lord filling you is never just for you. Because streams of living water can flow from within you for the benefit of not just you, but for those around you. For those around you, for those who are gonna come behind you, who are walking alongside you. Ask the Lord to fill you today and maybe in the workplace tomorrow, in your class tomorrow, in your house tomorrow, in your gym tomorrow, or throughout this week, you'll realise there are people thirsty. And they're grasping to have that thirst quenched in all the wrong places. Oh, that streams of living water would flow from within them. Who are they going to taste it from first? And you know, oh, it's a lot of responsibility. No, it's an unbelievable joy. You don't do anything, he does it. We just be obedient and surrendered. In the, oh. yeah, I'm actually going to stop. I'm gonna transition now into this. I don't think I need to add any more. It would just cloud the clear water. When Jesus declared this, he was making a statement. You do not have to wait for a once a year festival anymore. This is every day. You're not confined anymore to a priest pouring it out on an altar or a religious ceremony that's required. He has made a way for us all. And he promised to send the Holy Spirit who would remind us of everything he said to dwell within us. And so today, I wanna simply say this, and I'm gonna close by reading those two verses again in a minute. In our last song today, the prayer partners will be all out here. For some of you, it's the strength of the Lord I need the strength of the Lord. It's all in. It's okay, Jesus, all in. Some of you, even the following Jesus things, a little bit, oh, I'm not so sure. Step in, trust him. 
Come out front for prayer. Let us lead you with that. We won't leave you. We will lead you with that. For some of you, is, is anyone thirsty? There's a situation, maybe it's a, something in your family, a member of your family, and they're like, they are dying of thirst and they don't know it. Oh, that they would hear the cry of Jesus saying, is anyone thirsty? Let him come to me. Come pray for that. Don't leave the same way you arrived today. Come for prayer for refreshing that these streams of living water will be there. For some of you, it's a fresh revelation of the Lord. Remind me that the journey you have me on is not about an earthly destination, but it's about you and your presence encountering you. I can encounter the Lord in a valley that seems dry. And when I look over my shoulder, the Lord has turned it green. Or I could just be consumed with my own circumstances. Oh Lord, that you would refresh my life for those coming behind me. Some of you move seats today. This message is for you and you've embodied maybe the energy of a college kid. Hopefully not the partying of a college kid, but the energy of a college kid. There is something so powerful. All the great movements of God throughout human history were done by people aged between 14 and 24. I want to set you loose, Gen Zers. So let me read this text. And our closing song today is, I've witnessed it. Hmm. You need to just, yes, it's true, Lord. It's true. Let's pray. Let's stand, actually. Uh, hey, prayer partners, leaders, just come out now. Come out now, then our people know where to go. Just start to gather anywhere from the aisles wide. Anywhere from the aisles, come out. Come out, be available. I'm all for them being busy today. That fresh anointing of refreshing. If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. Streams of living water would flow from within you. And the context was this Feast of Tabernacles, the context of what this Psalm of these people were going towards. And so the scripture says, would you receive this? Maybe in a posture like this, receive this as I read it and pray through it, these two verses from today. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. King Jesus, strengthen us today. More of you, less of me. Your scripture says that your strength is actually made more evident in our weakness because your grace is sufficient. Pour out your grace afresh today. Blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. Oh Lord, that our lives would be a witness of a journey of encountering the living God. Would you give us a fresh revelation of why we are here? (laughs) And as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Oh Lord, would you encourage my friends in this room today that it's passing through This valley may be hard right now, but they are passing through. But Lord, in that passing through, would they receive a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit that although it may seem dry right now, it will turn green 
because of you and your presence and our praise. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. So Lord, let it rain. Pour out your spirit afresh on us all. Fill the dry pools with your love and your grace and your mercy and your hope and your forgiveness and your salvation and your redemption and your joy. Pour it out, Lord. We declare your truth for what you've done in our lives and by faith we know we see it again. We've witnessed it once and I'm confident I'll see it again and again. In Jesus' name, amen.